Hello, I'm Todd Starnes, lead pastor of Odessa First Assembly, and I'm grateful that you joined us today. I hope and pray that this message will encourage you and bless you. And remember, you can find more information about us at odessafirstassembly.com. God bless you. James chapter 4 and verse 8. Um, and I, I'm only going to really, I'm, I'm focusing on the first sentence. And I, you know, this, this verse is really kind of has a double whammy. And, and the, the second part of the, of, the, of the verse is important and critical. Uh, I'm not ignoring it, but I, I just want to focus on that first sentence. And it says this, James chapter 4, verse 8, draw near to God and he'll draw near to you. Draw near to God and he'll draw near to you. Now let me ask you a question. Who, 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 who initiates the action there? Somebody answer. I'm not being rhetorical. Somebody, who, who begins that action? We do. I do. It starts with us. The Bible says, if I draw near to God, he's going to draw near to me. And in the Old Testament, we kind of, I don't know the chapter and verse off the top of my head, but scripture tells us, seek him, seek God, while he may be found. Again, that beginning action, it starts with us. We can't be in the waiting. I mean, it's, okay, God, when are you going to do it? When are you going to move? It takes action on our part to move towards him, to do what we need to do in our prayer, devotion, and our Bible, whatever. I mean, just moving our relationship towards him, and God is going to respond to that by drawing near to us. And as I was saying, draw near to God, and he'll draw near to you. I was thinking about... Uh, you know, my first point is hunger. It has to begin with hunger. And, you know, I, 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 I really like to eat a lot. I have a lot of favorite foods. I think every food's my favorite food. Thus, the basique. I don't know if you've seen that video on Facebook of the guy flexing while worship's going on. I have no idea what's going on. Anyway, I should have played that video just for fun, but... Uh, I love food, and I, you know, maybe you've heard statements, you know, we all grow up, you know, we say things like, I'm, you know, I'm so hungry I could eat a horse, anybody ever heard that statement before? Or, uh, you know, I'm famished, I'm starved, you know, little kids, you know, I guess it's the dad joke, you know, little kids say, I'm starved, I was like, hi, starved, how you doing? You know, I'm starved, or I'm famished, I'm, I'm I, I, if I don't get something to eat, I think I'll die, anybody ever said that or heard that? And it's like, you ate two hours ago, you'll be fine, I have to say that to Chase all the time. You've already had 10 bowls of cereal today, son. You're going to be okay. Or my, you know, the one thing I always say is kind of like the, the redneck version is that my stomach think my throat's been cut. Anybody ever heard that before? I mean, that's what it feels like sometimes. I, and I was thinking about when I was, I don't know, I was a teenager. I was a young teenager, and we had a funeral in Big Lake. And, you know, it was a small church we had there, but it was packed. Front row to back row, completely packed. Not a place to sit down. I was there with my friend and her mom, and I, I'll never forget this as long as I live. But it, you know, it was a funeral going on, and it kind of got one of those really awkward, quiet moments. And when it got quiet, I mean, her, her my friend's mom, her stomach growls, and it's not like any little like, you know, like little squeak. I mean, this thing, I mean, it, it was like, it was so loud, the people in the front row turned around and looked back at us. 
That's how, I mean, that's a, I mean, can you think, I mean, if Jason back there in the sound booth, I mean, you heard a rock, I mean, you know, that's loud. And so finally everybody turned back around and she leaned over to us and she said, I knew I was hungry, but I didn't know I was that hungry. But we just, cack, I mean, we, I mean, this, you know, sometimes things just hit you funny. And we laughed out and everybody turned around again and stared at us again, that death stare. But, I, you know, of course I'm not talking about physical hunger. And I'm going to use this illustration in just a moment. As hopefully it's going to click something with you. But I'm, I'm not really talking about, we, about our, 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 our hunger pains, our, our appetite, you know, for fries with friends, which I think I'm going to go to because that sounds heavenly. Um, but I'm talking about our hunger for power, our hunger for love, our hunger for influence, our hunger for affection, our hunger for... Um, companionship and, and the thing is this is that sin I know you know sin is falling short you know of, of God's perfection but I want to give a little simpler definition maybe is that sin is nothing more than God-given appetites fulfilled in the wrong way sin is nothing more than God-given appetites fulfilled in the wrong way you see maybe you've heard it said this way it's the way I grew up hearing it is that we've all been created with the God-sized hole in our heart and meaning that the only thing that can fill that inside of us is God but yes us as humanity we tend to search everywhere for that fulfillment before we focus on what will really fulfill that need are you with me this morning and so it has to begin we need a spiritual hunger to stir in us and the Bible says, you guys know I got, I have, you know, some favorite verses I talk about all the time. Philippians 2.13, 1 Corinthians 2.9, um, 2 Timothy 2 and 21. I got some of these core verses in my life, but James 4.5 is also one of them. And it says this, he yearns jealousy over the spirit that he has made to dwell in us. And what you have to get into your heart and your mind this morning is that you are made up of three parts. You are a physical person. You have a, you know, you have the physical side of you, your flesh right here. You have the soul part of you, which is your mind. It's your heart. It's your emotions. That's where your will comes from. That's where your want to's. You know, when you, you write down your bucket list, that's kind of where that comes from, is your soul. But God also created inside of you a spirit man. And God put that spirit man on the inside of you. And the scripture tells us that he yearns jealously for that spirit man to connect with him. But we spend our time so much fulfilling it with all kinds of junk that doesn't matter one bit. There's another version of James chapter 4 and verse 5. And the way it says it is this way. They, God is passionate that the spirit he's placed within us should be faithful to him. Think about that for a moment. The spirit that God has, he's passionate about that spirit, man, that he's created inside of you to contain the spirit of God, the Holy Spirit. He wants your spirit calling out hungry for God. I, when we named Chase, you know, we, we named Chase Chase and, and people made fun of us because we chased Chase a lot And um, when he was younger. Um, but we named him after, in the King James, Psalm 63, 8. All of our, all of our kids have 
uh, they have a root of, uh, uh, in, in their, a, a spiritualist in their name, I guess. Uh, and, um, but Chase, we named Psalm 63, and the King James says, I press hard after thee, O God. And we wanted that to be a reminder for him to pursue God, to hunger after God. But listen, we live in a world and a society uh, that we, I mean, we look for so much to fill that void. Entertainment. You know, I, I have a very, I have, a, I have to be very careful. I, I do. I have, a, I have an addictive personality. You know what I mean? That, that I, I get addicted to things very quickly. And it's probably some, you know, things to do with my past. But, I mean, if I get my mind on something, uh, uh, you know, sometimes, especially entertainment or games or things like that, see, I get a very, and I get addicted to it very quickly. I mean, when you think about America, did you know there's 20 million more TVs in America than people? That, that's a lot of TVs. Did you know that America has more cell phones than any other country on the planet? America has more cars than any other country on the planet. And you've got to process that for a moment. China's 1.4 billion people. India's 1.3 billion people. Yet we have more phones and cars than what they do. And we're only 330 million people. I mean, people are looking for that entertainment to, to fill that need. And I, I could go on about other things. Uh, I mean, 25% uh, of Americans have two homes when there's a lot of places in the world that have, people have no home. And I'm not saying it's, it's anything wrong with having two homes. I'm not suggesting that. But we live in abundance here. Even some of us in our greatest need have more than other parts of the world. So do you hear me in that? We are looking for, and I think some of that is, is that we're looking for so much to fill those voids in our life. And when we do that, it deadens the spiritual hunger that we should have. It takes no genius to notice how our whole culture is geared towards tantalizing our appetites. Eugene Peterson, I, want, I just want to preface this. this I'm going to read a statement that he wrote, and he wrote this 30 years ago. He said this, the puzzle is why so many, the puzzle is, is, is why so many people live so badly. Not so wickedly, of course now I think people are living wickedly, but not so wickedly, but so insanely. Not so cruelly, but so stupidly. There is a little to admire and less to imitate in the people who are prominent in our culture. I'm reading this slow for a reason, because I want these words to, to stick in. To sink in. There is little to admire and less to imitate in the people who are so prominent in our culture. We have celebrities, not saints. Famous entertainer, entertainers amuse a nation of bored insomniacs. Infamous criminals act out in aggressions of timid conformists. Petulant and spoiled athletes play games vicariously for lazy and apathetic spectators. People are aimless and bored, amuse themselves with trivia and trash. Neither the adventure of goodness nor the pursuit of righteousness get headlines. I mean, I think that is as apt today as it was 30 years ago when he wrote that. It's any wonder we have a hard time focusing our lives toward fulfilling the spiritual appetite in ourselves. Listen, just like the stomach growls, spiritual hunger speaks. Spiritual hunger talks. 
It is crying out. The psalmist wrote that the, the depths should cry out. Deep cries out to deep. The deep part of us should be crying out to the deep parts of God. Hunger. The life that seems, when you, when you have a spiritual hunger, the life that seems normal does not appeal to you. There's a longing for something beyond what you're experiencing right now. Hunger asks, is, is knowing that God has become the passion of your life. I mean, God, the kingdom, is your heartbeat. It's your hunger. You have this spiritual hunger. Hunger says, knowing God has become the passion of your life. Hunger says, I believe that God has something greater for my life. Hunger says, I want more. And there's ways to stir your, stir your hunger for God. I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you six things very quickly. I'm not usually huge on, on lists like this, but I wanted to do this this morning and, and, with, and with this what I'm, I'm telling you. But number one is this. Is if it, has, has anybody ever encountered God in a very rememberable, special way? If you have, raise your hand. You've encountered God in a very rememberable Come on. I mean, I'm fixing to ask you, you're not going to raise your hand if, no matter what I ask, but I mean, a lot of us have encountered God in a very memorable moment. If you want, again, to stir that, have that hunger for God in your life, you've got to miss that move of God. You've got to miss those experiences and encounters that you have with God. You've got to miss it. We must come to realize that the real tragedy in the church is not spiritual famine. It is famine without hunger. I'm going to say that again. Somebody needs to tweet that because I think that's pretty good. And the, the, the tragedy is not that we're, that we're without spiritual things or spiritual manifestations or, or revival or awakening or a move of God. The tragedy is, are we not hungry for that anymore? That's where the tragedy is. We have got to miss the move of God. We've got to miss the outpouring of the presence of God. We've got to miss His holy descent upon a group of people in a service. Or even us personally. I shared this morning about Duncan Campbell. He was a, led a revival and the, the Hebrides revival. I, I love his you know, church history and revival history, but it was a great revival that happened on the Hebrides Islands. And, and there was a man that went to go write an article about what had happened in the Hebrides revival. And he, was, he went there and he, he, was, he, he stayed in a hostel. And, but the, the innkeeper, the hostel keeper, happened to be a part of of that revival and in their conversation he says to him he's like you know what brings you here he's like well, I'm writing an article I'm writing you know I'm doing a writing on on the Hebrides revival and he, he wrote he wrote this man just began instantly just weeping and crying and he looked at him right in his eyes and he told him he said son he said let me tell you something whenever you get a hold of move of God don't you ever lose it don't you ever lose it. We need, once again, to be hungry for a move of God. And it begins with missing it. we got to pray for it to happen. we got to miss it. we got to pray for it. We have to contend with God for it to happen. The Bible says, if I draw near... He's, just let him run. He's all right. He's cool. He'll be fine. Let us... 
Let us, uh, now I got to find my spot again. We got we to gotta pray for it to happen. The Bible says in Matthew 5, 6, it's one of the, remember the Beatitudes? Blessed are the who, who, who are hungry and thirst for righteousness, and they shall be filled. We've got to pray for it to happen. We've got to stir it up within us. Uh, 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 Paul wrote to, was it, was it Paul wrote to Timothy? He says, flan the flame that's on the inside of you. We've got to stir that gift up. Number, a fourth thing is we've got to catch it. We've got spiritual hunger is contagious. And the problem is you are surrounded by people who are, you're catching junk. You're catching junk. You've gotten so focused on, 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 on just the mess around us and people's opinions. I'm going to tell you, if you want the, the hunger of God to stir in your heart, then get around hungry people. Right? Get around hungry people. Hey, buddy. What's up, man? Number five, hear it. He, he's really okay. Don't, we're not worried at one bit. Romans 10, 17, so faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Man, you've got to consume whatever you can of God. You know, I mean, it's true. You know, you, you, you hunger what you feed yourself, right? You hunger what you feed yourself. I mean, I think Tuesday should be every day, Taco Tuesday. That's the, I mean, roses is the reason why I can't change my diet. But if you're, if you're, if you're feeling, if you're, if, if, if all you're doing is feeding yourself junk, and you got to act on it. I love the scripture in Hebrews 11. And what more shall I say for time would fail me to tell of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, David, Samuel, and the prophets who through faith conquered kingdoms, enforced justice, attained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the power of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, were made strong out of weakness because mighty in war put foreign armies to flight. We need to act on that hunger. And if you will step out, I promise God will meet you. Action activates faith. Action activates faith. And if you will hunger, you'll also encounter. That, this is the way that it happens. When you go through Scripture, anywhere where there's need or hunger, God shows up. It's the pattern of the Old Testament. It's the pattern of the New Testament. I mean, you read in your scripture in the Bible, in Exodus chapter 3, about Moses having this encounter with the burning bush. Moses had an encounter. He was in need. He was on a back 40. He, he tried to deliver the people of the Hebrew people his way out of Egypt, but God gave him a counter to empower him to be the deliverer. Exodus 3, and I, I love, I, I got to point this out. I'm sorry. It, but, you know, it just, it just, I love some way the way scripture is written. Well, I love the way it's always written, but some things kind of always strike me funny. And one is with Moses right here, because you know Moses is talking about it. He's the one writing this, and he, he sees a bush burning in Exodus 3.3, 3, and he says, I will turn and look at this great sight. I, I think I would have a little more 
wow, you know, than Moses. At that moment, maybe he was trying to downplay what he saw. But then we read Genesis 32. When you read Genesis 32, we read the story about Jacob when he's wrestling with the angel in Genesis 32. And what happens? That angel says, let me go. And Jacob says, I'm not letting you go until you bless me. Where is that hunger in us to pray through, to press in, to worship until it happens, to lay in our face before God and say, God, I'm not leaving until you pour out your spirit. I'm pursuing you until you bless me. I'm, I'm, I'm hungry for it, God. You know, I believe God responds to it. Ezekiel 1, that we see about Ezekiel having this vision of the heavens were open and I saw visions of God. Isaiah chapter 6 is where, you know, it says that the year that King Uzziah died, Isaiah sees the Lord high and exalted, lifted up. The Bible says that he sees these angels circling, right? And they're, they're crying out, holy, holy, holy is the Lord whose glory fills all of the earth. This vision, he sees the, the temple being filled with smoke. The train of the Lord filling the temple and the thresholds shaking. I'm telling you, the experiences the Old Testament prophets had, we can have today. I mean, we see it in Acts. We see it in Acts chapter 2. What happens on Acts chapter 2? I mean, Jesus made the promise. He says, go wait, go tarry, and there's going to be a promise. The Holy Spirit's going to come, and he's going to fill you with power. He's going to fill you with, he's going to do you with power from on high. And then you read in Acts chapter 2 of this taking place, of the wind blowing through and fire setting on each one of the 120 in that upper womb, and they begin to speak in other tongues they begin to express in an unknown language this power that they're encountering and just so happened Jerusalem was full of men of people and they're hearing their own languages from men who did not learn those languages testifying about the power of God I'm going to tell you if you are hungry God will encounter you if you call out, God will answer. If you knock on the door and knock on the door and knock on the door and ask, He will do it. The problem is this, is we are very, as a society, flippant about it. And you can't be, church. I mean, there has to be hunger pains. Do you hear me? I mean, there, there has to be hunger pains inside your spirit. And so there's the hunger, there's the encounter, and there's also the transformation. I mean, we see Moses. What happened with Moses? He had that encounter with God, and then what did he move forward and do? He became a deliverer. He delivered the children of Israel out of Egypt, out of that bondage. What, what happened with, with Jacob? I mean, we see God, you know, through Jacob, we see the promise of Abraham coming to pass. And what, what, what about Isaiah? We see Isaiah prophesying about the birth of the Messiah hundreds of years before it happened. We see Ezekiel that stood on the, the, the top of that valley and prophesied over some dry bones. And, and God came, God used him, and he said, prophesy that these bones may live. And that rattling started to happen. And, and those bones coming together and, and sinew and cartilage and muscle and skin came upon those bones and the breath of God of life entered those bodies. 
I'm going to tell you, when you have an encounter with God, it'll change the way that you walk. What happened with Jacob? He, the Bible says the angel, he said, I'm not letting you go until you bless me. And so the angel touched his hip and Jacob walked with that limp the rest of his life. He had a physical symbol of the encounter with God. I said he had a physical symbol of the encounter with God. And there are times you will encounter and experience God that will give you a physical manifestation of the encounter with Him. And the way that translates to us in the New Testament is that of speaking in a language in which you do not know. I don't have time to get on theology, obviously, of, 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 of speaking in tongues. And my goal is not just to get people to speak in tongues. But the fact of the matter is, is when you get immersed, baptized, full of the Holy Spirit, the outflow of that is just not the fruit of the Holy Spirit, which is very critical, but it's also an expression that comes in a language that no one taught you. And when you pray in that language, the Bible says you edify, you strengthen your spirit, man. Remember, I, that's the way this began. It's talking about that spirit, man, that God placed in us. And when you speak in that language and you use that heavenly gift, what happens is, 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 is your spirit, man, is pumping iron, baby. And so there's a transformation that takes place. There's a transformation that takes place. And the reason why I think I felt so impressed to preach this is because I believe we are yet entering another new age. We've had many things that have significantly changed in which way we live life. I remember Shaylee, Shaylee, two weeks old, not even two weeks old. And I was, we were home and we were getting ready to to move from Amarillo to La Mesa. And, um, but I was sitting there in the living room and I was watching the news and I watched these planes go into two buildings. It forever changed our society. I mean, my kids know nothing about, I mean, I remember, I mean, we used to go, get to go walk to the gate with the people, you know, and, and, and watch the planes fly off. Does anybody, does anybody remember that? I mean, it's a whole new world now. And I'm going to tell you what, we're seeing it happen again right before us. And if there is ever a time that the people of God need the power of God, it's right now. You know, when I preached last week about discerning the times, I, I said, I made a statement that I believe that the church-friendly age is over for America. And I'm going to tell you, do I hold out hope? I, I believe to vote matters. I believe I'm, I, I love the Constitution. I, I love the Bill of Rights. And I believe it's worth standing for and, and personal freedom and all that kind of stuff. But I'm, I, church, I want you to hear me very carefully. I believe God's clock is about to strike midnight. And I don't think we're going to go back to pre-March. I don't think it's going to happen. 
And I think one symbol of that, one sign of that, is what happened Friday. I know some of you know, but maybe some of you don't. But because of all the restrictions and, and you know, the government at play and all this stuff going on, in Nevada, the governor issued a decree that uh, you know, uh, you know, any movie theater or public space could have 50% of its capacity. But the church, the church, no matter how big their facility was, could only have 50 people. And so that church sued the governor. That lawsuit went all the way to the Supreme Court, and the Supreme Court upheld the governor's decree. I, I actually, you know, I preached on it. I say that it's going to happen, but I actually, I, it really took me by surprise that we are seeing that the glass ceiling has been broken. And I'm going to tell you, listen to me very carefully, church. I mean, I feel urgent in this. And I, I do want to say this, that you know what? If that were to happen in, in Texas, these doors are going to be open. And it'd still be my plan and goal to fill the building. I don't care about capacity rules or laws. That's crossing the line. This church is going to be open and I'm going to be here. But I'm going to tell you something. It's never going to go back to the way that it was. We're in a new age, and we've got to be fully prepared. And the only way we're ever going to be fully prepared is to be fully filled. The only way we're ever going to be fully prepared is to be fully filled. And I said this this morning, and I'm looking right at the camera, and I mean this with all of my heart. I know we're, I, I get it, I understand. I, our goal in this church has been whether you, you're, you're, you're passionate about a mask or, or not a mask. Our goal has been, as always has been, we've always been true to the value that God has placed in my heart, the kind of church that we would be, and that everyone's welcome and everyone feels comfortable to worship. And I still stand beside that. It doesn't matter. I, this morning we had people through the whole service in masks. I don't care. Because I'm going to tell you something. I'd, I'd rather be called a sheep right now than a goat at judgment. You understand what I'm talking about? This whole, this junk about sheeple stuff, that, that is from the pit of hell. And you're being used by the enemy. Because you're making a division in the church that should not be there. If you're waiting for the church to go back to normal, it's not going to happen. Do I hope? Yes, I hope. Do I believe and pray? Yes, I believe and pray. Do I want to see society kind of, I mean, to some degree, you know, I mean, there, of course, there's some things I don't want to see to go back. I mean, like, you know, but do, I, I don't think it's going, I, the glass ceiling's been broken. It's been broken. And we, got a full, we have to come to the place and realize the Bible says forsake not the assembling. You feel comfortable. If you, you know, the other day me and Angela went shopping. We hadn't really shopped since March, but we went shopping a, a, a week or so ago. And the time we got out of HEB, it had been like two hours. I was like, Did we, were we really just in HEB for two hours? Lord, take me now. I mean, or you should have took me an hour ago. <laughs> I can't believe we just actually did that. But I'm going to tell you, if you feel comfortable in public rubbing shoulders without your mask on, 
You should feel comfortable in church, and in church is where you need to be. It's just that simple. I mean, don't you think? As I, it's the same thing I preached last Sunday. Let's, let's get our eyes off the arguments that don't matter. Let's make sure we got the oil filled up and looking for the return of our Master and our Lord. And how about this? That the stance that we take is to take as many people to heaven with us as we can. Let's take as many as we can. I'll, I think I was probably a little more eloquent, I think maybe the first time I preached this, but church, it's time, it's long past time for the awakening, for, for the revival, for the encounter with God. And what concerns me most, as I said a few moments ago, it is not, it is not spiritual famine but it's the lack of the hunger pains that we don't even realize that we miss it. Thank you so much for joining us today. I hope that this message was an encouragement to you. Remember, you can find more about us at odessafirstassembly.com and also across the social media platforms. It is our prayer that God blesses you, keeps you, sustains you, and if you're ever in the area of the Permian Basin, come and join us at Odessa First Assembly.